from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Podcast episode 168, top five movies of 1985. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, we're going to do our top five favorite movies of 1985. We're midway through the decade now. But to help us on this journey, we have a very special guest with us. John, I'm going to leave all the introduction to you. Excellent. Thank you. Well, so this is a, a conversation episode as much as the top top five movies of 1985. Um our guest tonight got to know, met him five years ago at Free Comic Book Day down at Acme Comics in Greensboro, North Carolina, and uh, just a gem of a, a fellow, fantastic cartoonist and creator, uh, currently working on SpongeBob comics, his own creator-owned series, Picks, uh, and probably some other things he'll tell us about, as well as just two awesome podcasts. One he relaunched on Free Comic Book Day, which was generated part of the conversation to bring him on board tonight. I uh, want to welcome Greg Shegel to the podcast. Greg, Thank welcome. You, Thank you, gentlemen. Happy to be here. Am I coming in clear? As, cl- as, clear, as, anyone do- as clear as anyone does on Skype, so. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a fancy headset, so hopefully it'll, it'll at least sound decent. Sounds good to me. All right. So, so Greg... Um, some of our uh, some of our listeners may know your work, but maybe not you by name. I guess tell us a little about your you know your adventure over the last many years in, in the industry and what you what you've been up to and you know kind of what you've done before. Sure, uh, it, it would not surprise me if people know the work and not the name. Uh, that's that's uh, borderline what my career has been. But I started in comics as an assistant editor at Marvel Comics. That was from ninety end of ninety eight to two thousand. Then I uh, went and worked in, at Nickelodeon in their consumer products licensing division, all the while still doing comics-related stuff, which led me to Nickelodeon Magazine doing SpongeBob and uh, Jimmy Neutron comics for them, 
which then led to SpongeBob Comics, which I still do to this day. Mostly I'm drawing comics in there. Every now and again I, I write and draw something. And then in 2014 I self-published my original graphic novel, Picks One Weirdest Weekend, which started actually as mini-comics back in 2007, 2008. Uh, self-published that, and I'm currently working on the follow-up to that. And then if that weren't enough, uh, I started in 2011 a podcast called Stuff Said, where I interview or talk to fellow comic book creators or people in the world of comics. I did that for about four years before it started frying my brain, and I put it on hiatus. And yes, on Free Comic Book Day, I dropped an episode saying, I'm back. But as of right now, I don't have another episode in the can, because my version of being back is I'm going to put out shows when I have something to say or somebody to say stuff with. So it's a looser structure so that it won't kill me like the last one did. (laughs) And then the other podcast that you mentioned was another reason why the end of, I guess it was 2014, got pretty hectic, was my friend Chris Jeruso, who does the great series G-Man. He and I did a podcast called Cruising Together, where we successfully watched every single movie Tom Cruise has ever acted in (laughs) and discussed them. And I put disgust in quotes because more often than not, we went uh, off the beaten path. I I am actually familiar with that podcast without even knowing that you were the one that did it. I had a few other podcasts uh, recommend it and discuss that one. So, uh, so I I need to check that one out. Um, I can can only imagine John was the one making that recommendation. Well, you know, we we shouted out each other's podcast. So, you know, we should, you should be at least somewhat familiar with it because he, Greg was kind enough to give us a, give us a, 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 some kind words out there and vice versa. So. Yeah, but I have yeah. heard it beyond John telling me. So, uh, so I can say that the the news of Tom Cruise is getting out there. So, <laughs> the, cruise, the cruise news, fantastic! I love it. Um, I can attest to uh, going slowly and in, insane from a podcast uh, after doing this for six years. John can attest that last episode it was supposed to be me completely not even on the episode, and I couldn't even let that happen. So, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> so this yeah, for me, it was, for me, it was a lot of just the editing process was you know, that, yeah. and and I I really maybe I I can't say overdid it because I'm sure it helped the show, but the the amount of research and and process I went into before I even sat down with anybody was oh yeah for for a job that pays zero dollars I was sure was putting a lot of hours into it. <laughs> Wow, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure in, in probably in the next eight to ten years, there will be some new 12-step program for podcasters <laughs> to, to break whatever weird cycles we've started. Well, the great thing about it, too, especially when you do a show as, as long as that, um, is that I, I at least had a lot of people that would listen and say, well, how how is it to do a podcast? How tough is it to start one? Everything. I was like, it's not tough to start one. It's tough to continue doing one. And a lot of them would go out there and start. And a lot of them would get through maybe the first year. And then they're like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) That's enough. (laughs) It it really, it's, it's, is a commitment of, I guess you, you, you want some sort of reward in the end and listeners are a great reward. Yeah. But everybody wants more. We're all greedy. (laughs) 
We all want something. Well, the good thing I can say about doing this show, and we've talked about this many times on the show, is that I would not have known John, and there's a lot of other people that I would not have known and become very good friends with had I not done the show. So, uh, so if I got nothing else out of it, I got some good lifelong friendships out of it. So, which which is always also a nice benefit. I think that's the benefit of a lot of a lot of well, if the benefit if the reward is not. Uh, making any money, whether it's podcasts or comics or anything else, <laughs> you go to conventions, you meet people, you you have those sort of connections to people, and that that is a nice. Yeah. I've I've often said the best thing about a convention is everything that is not the convention. So yes. hang out, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, all that stuff. So I wouldn't know John were it not for free comic book day and comic conventions. So there you go. We're all a big happy family. That's right. So since since you're on the Star Joe's podcast, we, we of course want to get an idea as far as maybe some of your experiences or your your first experiences with some of the properties that we cover here. Um, sure. What what is your what was your first experience with Star Wars? I I wish I could specifically remember it. I think I mostly remember. I mean, I know I saw at the very least Empire in the theater and Jedi in the theater. I was born in 1975, so if I saw Star Wars, I certainly don't remember it, because I was a tiny, tiny person. Sure. I definitely remember having the toys around. I remember seeing the 12-inch figures in stores. I had a Chewbacca. We had an R2-D2. We had a C-3PO. I don't know. And a Darth Vader, I think, of the big 12-inch guys. Had a bunch of the smaller figures, for sure. Uh, I grew up in South Florida. We had a Lionel Playworld. Okay. If you guys had that wherever you grew up, yeah. they had these red tag cells. And somewhere in the mid-80s or maybe early 80s, when Star Wars stuff started to leave the shelves, a lot of stuff was on sale. So I used to love the little mini die-cast sets. Oh, yeah. I had a bunch of those. Yeah. yeah. Those things were awesome. That X-Wing fighter, you'd hit a little button on the back and it would, it would crumble. Yes. And then you'd release that button it would all come back together. I loved it. So I had a bunch of those. I had the Darth Vader carrying case for the figures. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I know I had all the toys. I know I watched the movies. I know I love the movies. Big Chewbacca fan. Oh, that's going to That's gonna be perfect for later. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, uh, big fan of Chewbacca. It's one of, it's one of my, my, you know, there, people talk about the 60s as being the Batman Bond and the Beatles. Yeah. So my my youth I tend to combine as it's it's Batman, Chewbacca, and on some level the Wolfman. Okay. Like those were the things, and there's definitely a through line with Chewbacca and the Wolfman. Clearly. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> big, big big giant dog people. <laughs> Not quite sure what that says. But, and then Batman is a big bat, which I guess is sort of dog-like, but it's more rodent. I understand. Uh, so so that's the Star Wars okay. connection. I've always been star. I, I've I've certainly been one of these people that grew up with Star Wars and loved Star Wars. I know it's not quite the 80s, but in high school, I was drawing a lot of Star Wars stuff. This was pre-special editions. There was just a group of me and a group of my friends were just into Star Wars and would talk about it all the time. I figured out how to draw the Millennium Falcon in, in as close to, you know, pretty good detail. I don't know that I could still do it, <laughs> but I studied that thing. Uh, and then... When I got my first professional paycheck from Marvel Comics, which would have been 1997, they were re-releasing all the toys. 
and I finally was able to buy a Millennium Falcon, which I was never able to get as a kid because that was too darn expensive. Yeah. <laughs> do you still have it? I still have that. I do not have any of my other Star Wars toys because if you have, if you want to play, if you go back and do it, if you want to put sad music behind this, you're welcome to. <laughs> I used to have all my comics and my toys in a storage locker in Florida. And one year I went down to check on it and the toys and comics were gone. Oh. So at this point, the only Star Wars thing I have left is my Yoda hand puppet, the plastic Yoda hand puppet. I had that. Not very many people had that or even know what I'm talking about when I mention it. <laughs> uh, I still have that. And it is, I found a box in my closet that I, I thought had certain toys in it. I thought it just had my Batman animated series figures. But when I cracked this box open, it had both that uh, Yoda puppet. It had my Mego Spider-Man which was just like a thrill to find that I still had it because I thought that was gone. And my, I had two Batmobiles, the Super, Kenner Superpower Batmobile and then an old Mego, Mego smaller figures. And I had a Batmobile for that. Nice. Yeah. So there's my, there's my Star Wars story. Okay. I, I do like Star Wars. I think some of it has faded over time as, as a result of oversaturation. Of my own doing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's where I'm at on Star Wars. And then I, I guess you want to know where I'm at on G.I. Joe? Probably a good idea, yeah. Well, I, I know <laughs> right. a little bit about your your, your G.I. Joe because we've talked a few times over the years. And, uh, you know, when, when that community episode of G.I. Jeff came out, you contacted me almost immediately and said, I want to do Tight Ship. And you did, and it was awesome. Uh, I know. Yeah. I know I'm we talked about that. Well, you know, we were internet famous for a little bit over that, too. And then I also recall uh, a lengthy conversation about Wild Bill and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, but uh, maybe you can expound a little more about kind of your experience. <laughs> well, I will, I will say I know I know that Wild Bill drawing. And if I if I could do it again, I'd redraw it because there are things I don't like about that drawing. But uh, for G.I. Joe, so I'm definitely one of those kids that early on thought there was a guy named G.I. Joe <laughs> for sure. Right, and then didn't really know anything about it. And then somebody in elementary school gave me, and I'm not entirely sure why they gave it to me. Uh, Rock and Roll's motorcycle. Okay. Oh, the Ram, sure. Was, yeah, which was awesome. Uh, and I, I took a liking to Snow Job. That character appealed to me for a reason I don't understand. Maybe, maybe growing up in Florida, the idea of a winter thing was very appealing. So I think that was the first figure I ever bought with snow job okay which and this is a, a, an odd story but i think it's funny i had this figure I was, I was playing with it very into it and one of my uncles was reading the card on the back the dossier card whatever you would call it i'm sure there's a, a file card what do you guys file call card. it yep. yep yeah so he's reading that and there's a line on that file card that says he just he does his job on skis and my uncle was really taken by the name Snowjob, which <laughs> sounds like something else. Right. And he is cracking up, repeating the phrase, he does his job on skis, and laughing, <laughs> Snowjob, he does his job on skis. I have no idea what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. Thank like, God yeah, he Thank God he didn't get a skid mark as a... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, of course, he has skis. He's a snow guy. 
So there's there's that aside. My Uncle Oscar will be proud to know I remember that very specific story. And then I, I clearly took to it because I kept buying more and more G.I. Joes, and I had a bunch of them. Uh, the biggest G.I. Joe thing I had was, I think I had the base, and I know I had the, it was like an oil rig thing. It was like a, an aqua base of some the, kind. The battle platform, yeah. I had that, which was awesome, and I had the hovercraft. Which was awesome. Nice, nice. Uh, I, I did not have the aircraft carrier. I don't know anybody that did. I did. You're talking to one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was too one, much. One Chris, one Christmas, I came down and there's the aircraft carrier, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and I and I never got any of the mail away figures, so I never had um, uh, the, the the like Cobra Commander with the hood. I never had Refrigerator Perry. Right. I, I somehow got Sergeant Slaughter, but I think it's because I bought the vehicle that he came with, right? Uh, he came with a vehicle? Yeah. But he was originally a mail-away yes. guy. Yes. Yeah. So I know that much. I remember the, the commercials for the comic books because those were cool. I had several of the comic books. I did not have G.I. Joe number two. I don't know anybody that did. <laughs> <laughs> that was the hard one to get. Right. But I definitely had a G.I. Joe number one. That was a nice prize possession. So... Yeah, and then and at some point my GI Joe play became that where I basically turned them all into superheroes. Because more than anything, probably more than Star Wars and more than GI Joe, there's a superhero love that I have. Gotcha. Uh, I can I can vividly remember the first time I saw the superpowers toys in a in a toy store on the, on the wall because my feeble little brain remembered Mego figures and hadn't seen them in ages, and then there were all these new superhero figures, and I lost my mind that day i bought a flash and a green lantern because did not have batman nice so the superhero thing was really front and center so all my gi joes basically became superheroes and i remember most of them so if you wanted to quiz me and tell me a joe i might be able to tell you their superhero equivalent <laughs> if i had that thing oh wow now i want to uh, i was but, gonna take your word for it <laughs> but, but here's but here's well, the me, trick let me throw flint out there since you know he's my favorite yeah, I don't think I had a Flint figure. Oh. Sorry. I know. It's terrible. I did have, like, I had the Storm Shadow with the hood. Okay. And, and like, the gray bars. Okay. And he was part of a team called Earth, Wind, and Fire, and each one controlled, obviously, Earth, <laughs> Wind, and Fire. That's awesome. And Barbecue is Fire, and of Wind course. was... Oh, no, Wind was Storm Shadow. Dusty was Earth. That's what it was. Wow, that could not be more perfect right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of times I don't even know the G.I. Joe character's name. I know the name I gave the character. <laughs> yeah. It's, so so as much as I was a G.I. Joe person, I I have true gaps in my knowledge. Gotcha. And then some, and some didn't be – like Zartan was never anybody. He was just Zartan because I never applied a, a superpower. It wasn't super like Chameleon Boy or anything like that? <laughs> no, one of the other Dreadnoughts became a guy named Master Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very relevant to tonight's show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, I, and I'm certain it was influenced by that because there's no way it couldn't be. Right. In fact, to that end, who was the guy? Beachhead? Is that his name? He had like the green hood? Yes. Yes. The green mask, yeah. Yeah, I think Beachhead became a guy whose superhero thing, he didn't even have a name, was that he had cables on his chest that would launch out and he could Thunderdome around. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that is fantastic. I just like I think you need to be writing G.I. Joe, Greg, because you got some pretty great ideas. IDW, if you're listening, I yep. can't imagine anybody would actually like, would they make none of these are act. What is happening here? <laughs> I want here's the thing. I don't even want to cover anything else on the rest of the show. I just want to go through the whole list of Joe characters and what superpowers he had for them. <laughs> oh, my. That 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 could be tedious for at a certain point. Kid Logic loses its appeal. <laughs> Well, I will tell you, and I, I think I've mentioned this on the show, at least way in the past, one of the things I did was because um, I mingled my toys, I, you know, they all played together in one big hodgepodge, was I had uh, this elaborate story of G.I. Joe creating the Transformers to help them fight. Uh, He-Man was, uh, char- was a bunch of characters that came out of uh, ancient history. They crawled out of this cave because they were awoken. Um I had Legos is how I built my bases. I had uh, the GoBots were created by the Transformers. It was just a big. <laughs> That's awesome. You got to write that as like a book of the Bible. You know, G.I. Joe begat He-Man. Begat, you know, the next thing. And right. you know how the Bible's written. Right. We've all, we've all heard it. Right. <laughs> no, I'm Catholic. I don't have to read the Bible. <laughs> I got a whole other. I, I I only read part of it. <laughs> here's a here's an '80s toy question for you guys as the okay. experts. Okay. I had a toy, a, a set of toys that, that I don't remember what it was called. I don't have any of them anymore. But they were tiny, like mask-sized figures. Yeah. Made of metal. Oh, okay. And um. It, they came with a base that had like maybe an eagle's head or a yeah, skull or something. Eagle force. Eagle force. Eagle force. I'm writing that down. I had That's I had a bunch of those figures and I had wow. eagle base. Yeah. And speaking of mask, mask was pretty sweet too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I'm looking forward to the comic of that coming out, which is IDW is having that come out very soon. So I'm looking forward. To I that. I. Uh, I have my memory. And then even those guys became superheroes. <laughs> became superheroes. Those, those ones are a little bit easier to transition into the superhero, though. <laughs> oh, no, but I, I, I also would play with them all together. So, yes, yeah. Like, there was just, there was obviously, it was a shrinking character that would run around and fight with. <laughs> <laughs> like, clearly, that's the right. only logical use, yeah. Right, exactly. Well, I had, like, the little Lego figures being my, like, Oompa Loompas that would, like, build the fortresses. For <laughs> you were you were doing a lot more. You were doing sort of the difference between science fiction and science fantasy. Like, you were explaining how the worlds existed. Yes, yes. And I was just like, here we go. <laughs> Everybody's got – I didn't have an origin for any of them. You were just like, they, they got powers. Just, what do you want me yeah. to do? <laughs> These people have powers and code names. What else do you need? Right. It. Let's go on adventures. <laughs> yeah. Let's all fight. It's all everything's it all basically boiled down to me doing episodes of Challenge of the Super Friends, like good guys versus bad guys. Sure. And that's again the, that's the funniest the funniest thing with that was when my one nephew since you mentioned Super Friends, my one nephew when he was little started watching Super Friends because they were rerunning it on Cartoon Network and stuff like that yeah. at the time. And he kept calling Hawkman Hawkeye, and uh, and I was sit I sat down and watched it with him because I watched it as a kid. And I was like, oh, I watched this when I was your age and everything. And I sit there and I watched it. And the one episode, all the Super Friends got captured into a cell, and then 
and the Legion of Doom was, of course, the ones that captured him. And then all of a sudden, the super friends bust through the wall, and they go, you didn't capture us, you captured our robot doubles. And nowhere, nowhere in the rest of the episode was robot doubles ever mentioned. It was just like the writers wrote themselves into a corner and said, uh, robot doubles. <laughs> I love it. It's, it, 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 it. I would never write anything like that because I'd see the, the giant hole in it, but... <laughs> But I sat there and go, how dumb was I as a kid? <laughs> well, that that becomes a whole other conversation that we don't have to have. But there is that there is not not how dumb you were, obviously. Gotcha. But the, the you know how much when when stuff is meant for younger people, how much uh, adult logic or how much adult yeah. thinking do we have to apply to it? Which again, right. that's a whole other conversation. Right. I will not bore you guys with that. Right. I was afraid we were heading down the path of how dumb am I? <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that if you want, but I, no. I barely know you, and I'm, I'm. <laughs> no, the listeners are well aware. My, I'm not going to reveal my, my, my bad side so so quickly. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I got to put on a good impression. <laughs> so, uh, um, so you you write. Uh, uh, or you draw SpongeBob occasionally writing it. How did you get yep. involved in that? That really was a case of knowing. I shouldn't say right place, right time, but it really was right place, right time. I got a job working for Nickelodeon in 2000, and that that was truly a case of right place, right time. Who you know? Because I was in my office at Marvel Comics. I used to be Tom Brevoort's assistant, okay. and he was on the phone and he held. This is the old days where. You held a phone by a handle. <laughs> it's not for you guys. I know you guys know what this is, but for the listener, right? You know, piece where, that that you talked into, and then a piece that touched your ear, and they were far apart, like right. the length of your head. Right. So he he did the Usually classic the cord attached. Yeah, and there was oh a, a twirly cord, which right. really made no sense. <laughs> but he uh, you know held his hand up to the mouth part. And leaned back in his chair and said, hey, Greg, do you want to do some uh, freelance work for Nickelodeon? I said, sure. So they sent me images of this character, SpongeBob SquarePants, and images of another character called CatDog. And I, I did my sample drawings of those characters. And a freelance job became a on-staff, what MTV Network's called, permalance, which if I could possibly explain it, I, I don't know that I could. I think it was a way of them to get employees without having to offer them insurance or benefits. <laughs> uh, but I worked up at Nickelodeon for just under two and a half years doing licensed character art, so stuff that ends up on T-shirts and stationery and backpacks and packaging. Cool. And I knew people in Nick Magazine and bothered them incessantly about doing Pete and Pete comics, which never happened, but I tried. And through that, because I was a person that was approved to draw SpongeBob and approved to draw Jimmy Neutron and Invaders Zim and some other properties, they were doing comics in the comic book in Nick Magazine, and I was brought on to do that stuff. Cool. And then that magazine shut down, like many magazines have, mm -hmm. and SpongeBob Comics started, and since I had done work with the magazine and I know the property pretty well, and I know the editor, it seemed to... Uh, a logical extension to keep the team together, as it were. Gotcha. So after all this time of doing SpongeBob, do you have nightmares now of SpongeBob? 
I, I, I'm thankfully I don't because that would be terrible. Right. Uh, but I have, I've definitely been drawing SpongeBob. It's, it's the, you know, aside from doodling on my own you know, random drawings of Spider-Man or Batman or what have you, uh, I've not drawn anything as much as I've drawn SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, I've truly been drawing that character. I started at Nickelodeon in February of twenty of two thousand. Okay. So, and that was the first thing I started working on was draw this wedge shape over and over again until you get it right. <laughs> and that took a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I've been drawing SpongeBob for ages, uh, and I think I'm pretty good at it at this point. But <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I, I go ahead. No, I was going to say you the free comic book day that uh, book that just came out. You did the cover in a story in that, if I'm correct, right? Uh, just just the cover. The story just the inside. Cover. Okay. That, yeah, the story inside might have been Jacob Shabbat, who gotcha. is also very good at drawing SpongeBob. And when you, when you draw it on model, ideally, uh, a layperson won't be able to tell the difference. Hmm. Ideally. Yeah. Right. Uh, I I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm I'm that I'm that right kind of lunatic. Like I can tell you that the. The cover to the SpongeBob movie DVD, which is SpongeBob and Patrick running with the crown of Neptune or Mite, yeah, Neptune. Uh, I drew that piece of art for character art purposes, and the art that's on the DVD is flopped incorrectly because SpongeBob's spots are in the wrong place. Oh, <laughs> all right. That's that's the sort of stuff I know. I can't remember <laughs> GI Joe characters. The, I was gonna say that's the <laughs> level of detail you are at the SpongeBob yeah, at this point. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> troubling. So let me ask you this, going back to the G.I. Joe with the superpowers. <laughs> yeah. But related to SpongeBob, so if you had to give SpongeBob a power as a kid, what power would you have? <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. Uh, trying to think if there was anything in the cartoon world that I applied the same Logic transformation. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think I did because I didn't have any toys of those things. Sure. Uh, so if I had a toy of... SpongeBob. I guess it would also depend on what the toy could do. If it was a stretchy toy, I might turn it into a stretching character. Okay. But I think because it's so it's so non-humanoid. Yeah. Uh, it probably wouldn't even uh, crossed over. Well, that said, like a thing character where he's just really strong because he's like a blocky type character or something. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that does wimpy arms. True. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to say. I I don't know. I'd have to think about that. All right. We'll, re- we'll revisit it later. <laughs> okay. I, I, I want to I want to pimp or uh, man, that made a great word, but do you want to talk a bit about your your book picks? Uh, sure. This weekend, um, you know anybody that's listened to this podcast for too long knows that I'm a, a huge proponent of all ages books and and good good books and and have told quite a few people about it over the years. Uh, I guess tell I us a little bit that. about it. Uh, not you know obviously we have fa- fans of mostly of our vintage, but uh, a lot of them have kids. And uh, Give us the elevator pitch on picks, and, and again, I think sure. you should start working on the new, or a new one, a new story as well. I am, uh, and if, if my listening, if I'm remembering correctly, is, Ryan, you're the guy that makes a strong female protagonist, right? Yes, yes. All right, so see, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sell copies of this book. <laughs> the, the book is called Picks One Weirdest Weekend. It stars a character named Picks. And she is a superhero, teenage superhero, who claims that she has her powers because she is a fairy princess. That her father rules the fairy kingdom, 
and that is why she can do the things that she can do. She wears her costume everywhere, even to school. She is, uh, but now while people seem to be okay with the superhero part, like, yeah, of course, you wear a costume, you fly around, you have superpowers, we get it. When she starts talking fairy princess, people start to think she might be a bit off her, off her uh, gourd, nut, <laughs> rocker. <laughs> one of those things. One of those. So, She's yes. off. <laughs> people, people perceive her. Now, that, that is actually a bigger focus in the next book, the one that I'm working on right now. In the first book, it is, it is ostensibly a bit Monster of the Weekish, where each chapter she's facing some weird thing that is happening around her. Uh, in the first chapter, she's on TV. She's making her national TV debut because she's been doing good deeds. And all the camera equipment and all the technology comes to life and starts attacking. So she has to go into swift action and save the day. She goes on a date and a dragon shows up. She encounters a situation where there are animals talking to her. And, and that turns into an animal adventure. There's a murderous monkey running around. You are and, speaking my language right now <laughs> with murderous monkeys and the... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really is. You know, it's called One Weirdest Weekend, but I've I've seen a number of reviews refer to the content as as being really weird. Which, you know, it's as as the Brits say, it's 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 on the tin. <laughs> I guess the expression. So yeah, it's very much a a weirdo adventure story. I've described it to people as either you could choose whichever one you prefer, either. Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Alice in Wonderland in an Archie Andrews universe. <laughs> or if Spider-Man were a Disney princess. Okay. Because <laughs> it has that it, the, the style of comic booking that I am fond of and that I employ in that book and in the next book is is maybe at this point a little out of time because it is very undecompressed. There's a lot happening. The pages are packed. The panels are packed. People are talking while they're fighting. It's 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 maybe throwbackish for certain readers, uh, and I think it, it for anybody that read comic books in the 1980s, I think it would appeal on that level. Okay. John could back me up or deny it. I I, <laughs> I, I highly recommend it, and uh, I can say that I got a copy for my niece, and uh, Greg was kind enough he did a, a sketch of pics. For her, uh, for being, John, the first, you're being, uh, yeah, you didn't, you didn't, but you bought the very first copy. I got the, yes, cool. I got the very first copy. I, I read it. It was tremendous fun. And again, as I mentioned, you know, I, I, I want to support creators that I know, and and you, and and Chris, and Jacob, and and Smitty, and all these guys doing great, you know, all ages stuff. Uh, just need more, try to get more publicity as I can. But yes, I can highly recommend. A lot of fun. Yeah. I, I I appreciate it. and and it's it's a self published book so yeah. I, I'll take all the support I can get it's completely out of pocket I didn't even kickstart this thing maybe <laughs> because I'm an old man that doesn't understand Kickstarter but <laughs> I did it all I did it the old way well and I will say uh, I'm already interested in getting uh, a copy of it and everything else because um, not only do I like strong female characters but I'm a huge fan of you know, Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, all those weird, wacky, like labyrinth, all that type of stuff. Uh, but also, you know, the when we're talking self-published stuff uh, or in, independent creators and everything else, like 
I've loved uh, Molly Danger, and uh, you know I mentioned many times on this show uh, our buddy Jeremy Dale, who had Skyward. Absolutely loved that. Yeah. Um, and then even the really demented stuff like Scotty Young's uh, "I Hate Fairyland," I think is fantastic. Um, sure. So it seems like it would be something right up my alley. I much like John was just saying, I I love all ages stuff as well because especially when it's truly all ages, where anyone of any age can really just enjoy it. Um, I love stuff that I can read and I can enjoy it and then I can hand it to nieces or nephews and stuff like that and say, here, check this out. Um, and uh, so I, it's really cool. I, I, uh, I mean, I'm biased. Sure. I think I, I think I did exactly what you're talking about. Cool. So where can people find it? And when I say people, where can I find it? <laughs> find it either at your local comic shop, and if they don't have it, say, hey, can you order this? Because it is on the Diamond backlist, so they will be able to order it. Or Amazon has it. Or if you want a copy specifically signed and personalized and all that, you go to PixComic, P-I-X-C-O-M-I-C dot com. Okay. And you can get it there. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, and just to let people know, I will also have that website uh, on our website under this episode, so there'll be a link to it at our website so people can find it very easily so sweet awesome um so uh john do we want to do the firing range and then we'll i think it's in? time yeah i think it's time so just to let you know what we do greg is we sure. we do uh every time we have someone on the show for the first time we do what's called the firing range which are rapid fire questions you can answer them any way you want uh so you don't have to follow the the norm uh, and uh, they're mostly either-or questions. Some of them are typical geeky debates, and some of them are debates we've had just on the show itself. Uh, so they've caused some controversy. So I think it's going to be very interesting. We usually do try to tailor some of the questions towards the person that we're asking the questions of. So, or Sure. I, I have a question before the question. Sure. So you say you can answer however you want. Yes. So that's actually a two-part question. One, how often do people stray from the traditional way of answering questions? Um, you'd be surprised, especially when you say this or that, and they give you a third option. <laughs> okay, so, and then, and then, like, has anybody ever just answered in a different language? Like, all right, they're going to answer them all in Spanish. <laughs> no. Well, Mark Wade started okay. just answering random questions before we ever even answer, asked the question. He That's just started true. shooting, like, Charlemagne and... I did Plymouth hear him Rock do that. Anyway. Yeah, okay, yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> so. I will no, I will do no pre guess. I will follow uh, Doug Love's movies rules and do no pre guessing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, John, I'll kick it off, and then we'll just okay. go back and forth. So, cool. uh, so the one we ask everyone the first time: Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, without question. I'm not a Star Trek guy, and I call it Star Trek on purpose because I know it makes Star Trek people very mad. <laughs> We are going to be really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've never taken to Star Trek. I've, I've tried a couple of things here and there, but it, I, it is, I'm not a sci-fi guy as much as I am a science fantasy adventure guy. Gotcha. And Star Trek just doesn't, it doesn't float my boat, which I was trying to think of a space version of that, and I couldn't think of one. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> It doesn't oh. it doesn't wait it doesn't oh what is it what is what does Chewie do to the hyperdrive? <laughs> no, Take I, a spanner to it right or something yeah, like that. Hydro spanner. 
<laughs> something like that. Yeah. It doesn't do that to my hyperdrive. Gotcha. How about Next. as far? Uh, uh, yeah. oh. So GI Joe or Cobra? I'm gonna go GI Joe. Because uh, Cobra Cobra Commander's got the cool mask, and Destro is pretty awesome. But the GI Joe's the good guys. They're fighting for freedom wherever there's trouble. <laughs> you gotta you gotta fight. You gotta be on the side of the good guys. Okay. Then uh, this one will be interesting too. Then uh, Autobot or Decepticon? I'll, I'm gonna go with the same logic. I know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Airplanes are cool, and they fly. You know what it is? Here's the other thing. Cobra Commander and Megatron and uh, who's who's what's what's his name? That's always trying to Starscream. Starscream. Yeah, like those voices, man. Yeah. Come on. Nobody on the good guy's side has voices that annoying. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. So, reason enough for auditory <laughs> reasons alone. I'm going Joe and Autobots. Okay. Plus, you okay. can go and ride around in Bumblebee. You can't like I know you know Astro Train. That's his name, right? Astro Train. Right. Yeah. Come on, that it's cool. I had one, but, <laughs> but you're not going to ride around in one, right? Yeah. It, now, if you said you can have a, a pet Ravage or a pet Autobot cassette, I'm going to go Ravage every time. Sure. <laughs> but that's a very specific question. Sure. Yeah. So, so this one <laughs> tends to generate a lot of uh, conversation: cake or pie? All right. The easy, the answer is cake. Because period, <laughs> because it's because it's better, but but I say that as somebody that also loves pie. It's not like this is a super easy decision, but it's a pretty easy decision because I prefer cake. If you if you put cake and pie in front of me, ninety uh-huh. percent of the time I'm probably going to take the cake. Okay, unless it's it. unless the cake has cheese or booze in it, I don't want it. Don't put booze in my cake. Don't put cheese in my cake. No, thank you. But and and really, if like vanilla cake with vanilla frosting is amazing, chocolate cake with chocolate frosting is amazing. Pie, there's a lot of variables. Some pies are great. Cherry pie, sweet potato, chocolate pudding pie. Those three. That's that's the top three pie situation. But then you know you're not always in the mood. pecan pie is real sweet. You're not always in the mood for it. Apple pie is overrated. Cake okay. is great. And it's like a celebration thing. Birthdays, weddings, cake. Yeah. I always like to um, quote Jim Gaffigan with that where he's like, <laughs> you you have a lady jumping out of a, a cake. You don't have a lady jumping out of a pie. It gets very messy. So Yeah, pie is used <laughs> for throwing into people's faces. Right. Now, I will, I'm right, you guys... I know the superhero stuff with G.I. Joe's blue your minds. <laughs> Brace yourselves. I have fused cake and pie, and I have made cake pie pie cakes. <laughs> so the best which of both are, worlds, right? It, they're, they're awesome, which are basically a pie shell with cake in it and frosting and filling. The best one I made was a lemon meringue pie cake, okay. which was... Pie crust, lemon cake, lemon curd. These are the layers. Lemon cake, and then a meringue frosting. And that thing was slamming. Wow. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, oh, so- it was good. 
so this this one is gonna this one is what we were ta- referring to earlier, where I said that's gonna play a big factor later. <laughs> okay. So is Chewie a sidekick or is he a partner? I would I I was I would have said partner up until Force Awakens. Okay. Because the fact that he is still the co-pilot of that ship <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> They've relegated him to sidekick. Okay. But to me, he's a star. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, just the fact that that like he's still he's still second banana. Like sidekick or or, or what was the other option? Partner. 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 I, I mean, I guess he's. I guess to to Han Solo, he was a partner. But I feel like to everybody else, he was seen as Han Solo's sidekick. Okay. But yeah, he's he's the man. He's Chewbacca. He's awesome. Except his reaction to Han Solo dying, I thought was weak. He should have jumped that railing. <laughs> he should have started just taking out stormtroopers and left gutted, and right. And gutted Ben. <laughs> no, no, he was he wouldn't have gotten to Ben because Finn and Ray would have grabbed him. He's like, we gotta go. There's nothing we can do. And then it would have been like tragic. Gotcha. Because there's nothing he could do. He just saw his default nephew kill his best friend. You don't just yell into the air and shoot one blast. No. No. <laughs> okay. All right. How about uh how about R2 or 3PO? R2D2, 3 C3PO is so annoying. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> All he does is complain and then talk about how many languages he can speak. I I will tell you for a fact that this that question was almost thrown out. Until I was like, okay, we're going to do this one more time with one more person. And then all of a sudden that person, of course, said C-3PO. And I was like, I can never throw this question out again because you just never know. That's one out of how many say C-3PO? We actually had, I think, two or three after that that said C-3PO. And I was like, I don't even get what's going on here right now. <laughs> and are they are they giving a reason or are they just saying C-3PO and then not talking like, the, like uh, that woman in that Seinfeld episode who wouldn't taste... Uh, was it piece of pie? Speaking yeah. of, yes, they, uh, the one reason I think was Mike Costa. He said that because R two D two is just a little jerk. <laughs> so. I, I mean, he's only a jerk because C three PO is just like hitting him, right? Complaining all the time. And we don't know if he's a really a jerk. We we have to go by what C three PO says. R two said so. Yeah, everybody else seems to like him pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is definitely the uh, question that uh, was specifically chosen for you. Uh, oh, wait, before we get to that, I just want to say, when you said Chewbacca stuff was going to come in later, I thought it was actually a reference to Teen Wolf. Ah. Oh. But apparently I was wrong. <laughs> Moving along. Well, that, that might still it come Maybe later. Even later. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite 80s Tom Cruise movie? I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> All right. Despite the fact that I've watched every single one of these, I got to look up which ones came out in the eighties. I'm guessing it's probably going to be Rain Man. Okay. Uh, that was let me just be. Sh- so. Well, it's, that's still the eighties. Yeah. Yep. I think it's eighty nine, isn't it? I have to look. Uh, I think it might be early. It might be eighty eight. But let me check. Tom Cruise. You'd think I would know all these by heart. Nineteen eighty eight. Thank you, IMDb. Yeah, then Rain Man. Rain yeah. Man. Rain Man is, uh, I think, on my top, on my listing. I, I put Rain Man number two, right? Do you remember, John? Yes. Yes, you did. I believe. Yeah. So Rain Man is the answer. 
So I'm curious what was number one, even though number it wasn't in the Magnolia. 80s. Magnolia was, uh, was my favorite Tom Cruise movie. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think my top three were Magnolia, Rain Man, and I think Tropic Thunder was number three. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> it might have been number four. It might have been number four after Jerry Maguire. I think those were in the... Okay. I think that was the top four. And then Mission Impossible, I think, was number five. Okay. If memory serves, I recorded that one a while ago. Gotcha. That's it. Those are the... Those are the just, no, John, rapid, no, no, quick, a few more. A few more. Three more. Oh, okay. John's just not being very rapid. That's Sorry, I, I'm just thinking about... The, uh, how about How about paper or digital? In in regards to what, toilet or reading? <laughs> reading comics. Yes. <laughs> I would love to know how you're going to do digital. <laughs> oh, digits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's stick to the comics. Are we sticking? What, what are you, we going what, with the Demolition Man with the seashells? Is that digital? <laughs> I'm just saying there are there are futuristic toilets that will do a lot of the work for you. <laughs> Japan uses them quite a bit. Okay. It's, it's you know it's the future. They got like a digital readout. You hit a button, things clean you. Uh, I I really like digital comics. Uh, I still buy print comics. I made a print comic, but I also sell that as a PDF. Okay. At pixcomic.com. Uh, I love digital comics. I read comics digitally. I'm a fan. I don't like that they're priced the same as print comics. I think that's a real uh, that's messing with my head. <laughs> but I do like the experience of reading on my iPad. I do it often. And uh, if I have to choose, I, I feel like I – I mean, I'm going to – for the sake of being a forward thinker, I'm going to say digital okay. because it lowers the overhead for everybody. It can possibly even the playing field. I know that comic stores will not like that answer, but I think comic stores – can can manage in the same way that there are record stores that have still managed. Yeah, there's still comics as collectible. If you are a collector, I'll put you. If you're a collector, you want print. If you just want to read stuff, yeah. digital is great. It doesn't take up any room. Yep, it's all there. It doesn't smell as good. Print smells better. Yeah. So I'm. I'm this is a very. This is like a like a narrow. This is not like Star Wars versus Star Trek. This one's <laughs> like by a. But like a like a Lego piece, like one of those little one piece Lego pieces. It's very circumstantial. It's it's this way. It's it's, it's too. They're too. It's almost too close to call. But I'm trying sure. to play by the by the rules. And sure. Say, sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, speaking of comics, uh, do you remember the first comic that you ever got? I I have tried to remember the first comic I ever got. I don't. I know that there were comics around. I know that my cousin and my older brother had comics. I definitely had Origins of Marvel Comics, which was a big collection of, of stuff. And another book called Marvel's Greatest Superhero Battles. I looked at those a lot. I, I do remember buying comics off of a spinner rack at a drugstore. I know one of the comics was a Green Lantern comic. One of the comics was a Captain Carrot comic. Nice. And then I definitely remember going to the comic store with my brother and... You know, he was buying real comics, quote, you know, off the off the new release stack. My older brother's five years older than I am, and then I would just go into the ten cent bins because that's what they were back then, and I would just pick up anything with a character that I recognized from Super Friends. So I ended gotcha. up with a lot of Brave and the Bold and DC Comics Presents and that sort of thing. And then it's 
not the first comic I ever bought. The first series that I ever felt personal ownership over was Power Pack. Oh, okay. I saw that. What is this? And I picked that up, and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, it is awesome. It is. Yeah. So as much as I like Thor and, and the Avengers and all that stuff, the, the the new thing that I felt like I discovered and found on my own was Power Pack. Very cool. So Greg, you've you've had a you've had a, a great career doing what you're doing, but if you if you step back and you weren't in comics or working working as a cartoonist, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? All right, so the, I have questions about this question. <laughs> <laughs> so. Because I, I, you know, I heard you ask it, and I, I gave it some thought, but I have a question. So, is this in the vein of uh, inside the actor studio? What career other than the one you have would you want to do, or is it? Yes. If you couldn't do what you're doing, what would you realistically be doing, given your skills yeah. and who you know and all that? I think I think you can take it either way. Yeah. I think they're both 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 will be intriguing answers to me. Yeah. Well, see, I'll, I'll do the first one because the other one's more depressing. So. <laughs> Given, I mean, really, like if you can't do the thing you enjoy doing, what would you? Like, if you I'd be like working for my dad or something. <laughs> like there's no, there's no fun in that story. Uh, but if, if, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be doing some. I, I wouldn't. I feel like I'd be doing something in food. Okay. Possibly baking or making uh, desserts. Possibly being a butcher. Okay. Something about being a butcher appeals to me. Not entirely sure what, but I like looking at butcher cases. I think those are cool. And if not that, I feel like I'd be pretty good as a game show host. Okay. Yeah. You know, the match game or something, which I know Alec Baldwin is hosting when they bring that back. But it's the greatest game show ever. And I think... uh, I don't know. I think we could start a petition to have you host it, maybe. (laughs) I can't imagine I would be anywhere on anybody's list of a thousand people. (laughs) But I appreciate you uh, putting in the good word with... With the f- the powers that be. Nice. Well, you survived the firing range. <laughs> so, <laughs> unlike all those kids that died, and you can't do that on television. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice throwback there. <laughs> no problem. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, this is an '80s podcast. Oh I yeah. Do as much as I can. Absolutely. Hit those marks. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you guys ready to talk some uh, movies from 85? Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, so uh, just, uh, Greg, I know you listened to the 84 episode, but uh, just for any new listeners out there as well of as course. yourself. I want I want you to be a host. Do it. <laughs> how, how this will work is we will uh, – it's our own personal preference of our favorite movies. Uh, we're going to go from five down to one. Uh if someone mentions the movie that was on your list, you do not have to reveal that it was on your list. You can wait till you reach till we reach that number. So if I put a certain movie at number five and it's your number two, you can wait till you're at your number two to mention your memories and why it ended up being your number two. Uh, we'll save any honorable mentions uh, for after we get through the top five. And then I do have some. Uh, lists from listeners that that emailed us or messaged us what their their top fives were from both 84 and 85 so i'll cover those once we get through all of our lists so nice sound good so sounds great all right so uh since you are the guest uh we'd love for you to go first with your number five all right my number five has already been mentioned and i will say this my top three were easy 
four and five were very difficult, so I have several honorable mentions, but yep. we'll get to those later. Yep. I ended up choosing as my number five, Teen Wolf. Nice. <laughs> which is a silly, silly movie. But it is great. And in nineteen and in, and, and a lot of this was me thinking, all right, put yourself in your headspace in nineteen eighty five. What really were the movies that just hit you in the in the in the right spot? And Teen Wolf was Michael J. Fox, who was unstoppable as a werewolf, which I already told you was one of my obsessions. And not just werewolf, a wolf man, and I think there's a difference. Yes. Wolf man is a man with hair on his face that looks wolfish, not a person that turns into a wolf. That's less interesting to me. Okay. Wolf men greater than werewolf. Okay. <laughs> Teen Wolf is the one, and that gym teacher, the basketball coach, is great chewing on that, like eating that chicken. That scene with him and the bucket of chicken is amazing. <laughs> the, the fact that that was the basketball team with Michael J. Fox and and Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes. Like that is bananas. <laughs> Surfing on top of the van is great. There's a character in that movie named Boof. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about Boof. Oh my Boof. god. How do you forget about Boof? <laughs> Boof was and Boof is classic like, oh, she's super adorable and nobody treats her like she's attractive at all except she's in a movie. It's bananas. <laughs> it's great. And my friend Smitty, who was mentioned earlier, he points to a scene at the end of the movie after they win the big game. Spoiler alert. They win the big game. <laughs> In the bleachers, there's a guy zipping up his pants. <laughs> yes, there is. I've seen that. <laughs> and also, he sh- when he shows up in that white suit and does the Teen Wolf dance, come on. There's so much good, goofy crap in that movie. Yeah. It's a delight. Teen Wolf. Nice. Well, I will say, I will say, werewolves are my favorite, like I guess, supernatural type creature, character type of thing. So, uh, so I can appreciate your love for Teen Wolf. So, nice. Uh, John, would you like to go first, or you want me to go, or I should say first, but next, or would you like me to go? Next? You go next. I okay. never go last, so yeah. Okay. Um, so my number five is a movie I actually uh, just watched again recently because coming up with this list, I was like, oh my god, I need to watch that again. Um, it, it's a, it, it's definitely a unique movie. Um, it's a movie called The Last Dragon, which yeah. <laughs> which has uh, Bruce Leroy in it, uh, and Shonuff, and the, sh- this, the Shogun of Harlem. The Shogun of Harlem, yes. Uh, yeah. This speaking of, of of a bananas movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also, when I started looking into it, it's also almost like a, one of those cursed movies, like Poltergeist was, where people just there's a lot of people dead from this movie now. Um, the the little brother passed away. The uh, the main actress that was the singer and everything she passed away. Show enough himself passed away. Um, I know that now, was that was that Vanity. Yes, yes. That, she she only passed away recently. True, true. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the the guy that plays Bruce Leroy uh, and I and I can't remember his actual name, but I that's how I, how I know him as. Um, sure. He, uh, he 
works he actually knew martial arts and he actually like he knew all these different fighting styles and and when he back when he did the movie and he actually still works in hollywood as a a stunt choreographer and everything so um so it, it was interesting watching it again i watched it a lot as a kid but i uh watching it recently to actually see that yeah they actually knew how to fight and everything uh there was also um there was another i have to look it up but there was a the little kid in the movie who knew martial arts, and he was in a ton of stuff in the eighties. Um, look this up while I'm. But uh, you know, who is the master, and all that all that was just fantastic. The very ending when uh, when he's got the glow, and you got the music score. Sure. <laughs> Great, fantastic stuff. Yeah, uh, this 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 was one of my honorable mentions. I gotcha. can say that, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, uh, it was it was it was a movie that my stepfather would watch a lot, and uh, it's 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 a delightful movie. And the guy playing uh, Show Enough, who and I've never watched Briscoe County Jr., but he was on that, right? Yes, same guy. Yeah, uh, he was amazing. And and I've seen and a friend of mine dressed as him for Halloween, and it looked fantastic. Nice. So was, yeah, the, uh, Ernie the, Ray is is who I was thinking of. That was the little kid that was the martial artist, and then he was in a bunch of stuff later he on. He went on to do sidekicks, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so that was my that was my number five was the Last Dragon. Uh, much like you, and that was Barry Forty, right? Yes, that was a, that was a Motown production. So everything yes. about it is is like accredited. Oh yeah. And much like yeah. you were saying, Greg, when I, I did my top three, it was very easy. But my number four and five was very difficult for me. Uh, but this one, since I, like I said, I just watched it recently, and I was like, yeah, that's got to be on the list. <laughs> so, How did you watch it? What what service did you, or did you own it? I, uh, I actually found it through some not-known channels. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tried to find that- it through all the normal channels and couldn't find it. Uh, but now that I've seen it again, I do feel like I need to own a copy of it. So, because yeah, as I was making the list, I'm like, I should rewatch some of these things to see if they hold up. And then, you know, I, I searched for the ones I was looking for, and I could not find any of them. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, John, what was your number five? So I'm going to start off by saying that, uh, to my chagrin, there is not a Hal Needham film uh, in 1985, <laughs> so there will not be a Hal Needham film represented. Uh, accordingly but uh but my number five is a delightful film that the the star wants to wants doesn't want people to remember you can find it on the uh tube of you it's about the only place you can find it uh but uh we're really sorry that mom's ricky's mom blew up and we're still wondering why anybody would throw away a perfectly good white boy i'm talking about better off dead nice <laughs> <laughs> I, it holds yeah, up. Yeah. I've watched it lately, and you get you get a cheeseburger Van Halen. I mean, come on! Yeah, this movie is great. That is a great movie. That is a fantastic. It was movie. it was a movie I only saw all the way through for the first time this year. Oh wow! Really? Yes. And uh, and and it's it's excellent. Yeah. It really is quite. It's very good. So wait, John Cusack is uh, has renounced this thing. John Cusack apparently the, so the story goes that he he did this and then he did One Crazy Summer right after it right well apparently while they were filming One Crazy Summer he saw Better Off Dead and was furious oh wow and he doesn't he does not get along with Savage Steve Holland 
I actually heard him interviewed on Nerdist, and it's like the first time he's ever really talked about it. And he was very civil on that, but he called it he didn't he didn't call Holland by name. He called him the director, and it's it's weird. It's really weird. And it's like, why would you denounce this great film? It's yeah. a great. It's it's hilarious. And again, yeah. just uh, silly. And uh, yeah. I, it's one of one of my one of the better films I think he's done, but uh, yeah, so it's got a, it's got a weird, you know, weird history to it too. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird little movie. I did not know it was so surreal in its, <laughs> in its offing. And, and I, I think had I seen it at a, at a younger age, it, it probably would have blown my mind that it, it would probably have been in my top five right now. It is, it is another of my honorable mentions. Very nice. Because, because I was getting into my, younger headspace and it would be cheating to throw that one in sure. there but <laughs> sure. i feel like i feel like i'm hijacking john's uh nostalgia not at all continue not at all. no not at all that, that, that's no, the it's fun like, thing about this we all get to, we all talk about the movies and and what we remember about them even though if they weren't on our list or anything like that uh the the line i i'll still use from that movie is the i want my two dollars <laughs> oh, that that that's yeah that's all that it's so surreal and weird <laughs> Yeah, you know, the Good. brothers that they, the, the brothers who learn to speak from Howard Cosell. The, yeah, it's again, it's a it's a great movie, and it is one of those that you can find out there uh, through legal means. So yeah, yeah, I watched it. I I did watch it on uh, what did you call it? The tube of you? Yes, I did. <laughs> that's that's how I was able to watch it. And that adorable French girl. Come on, <laughs> she's adorable. Very nice. All right, you're, uh, you're number four, Greg. My number four is, and I feel like this might be somebody's number one, but uh, I chose as my number four, again, after much debate, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, nice. It was an honorable mention for me. So uh, Now, I, I will say, as far as Pee-wee stuff goes, I'm not a huge Pee-wee guy. I've, I've watched nearly everything. Sure. And the one thing I like is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It's... Uh, it's it's excellent. I, I know I saw it with summer camp, and I think I saw it twice in the theater. And Large Marge was great. That's like the yes. thing you remember as a little kid is Large Marge. Oh, and yeah. The, and the big shoe dance. But really, there's so much happening in that movie. And the the in the, the scene where he is laying out his plan, or his, his case of where the bike is, and he yells at What's the guy? The Amazing Larry, whatever the Larry is. Yeah. Yep. Like that stuff is great. I still will often say there is no basement in the Alamo. <laughs> Whenever anybody says the word basement, <laughs> it's like a it's like a motor response. I can't even stop myself. Uh, it's it's it is for me the best the best Pee Wee Herman thing. Yeah. Which I know pe- people will get mad and say what about peewee's playhouse or what about the broadway uh, the the stage show but this was i thought the story was really strong uh the all the gadgets and the and the doodads and then france this i just i realized when i was talking about teen wolf that two of my movies have the dude that played francis in them (laughs) which is insane you're evidently a big fan of the actor (laughs) he's he is good yeah. Uh, and then, and then another line I've often said, and, and again I say these things, and I feel like nobody knows what I'm talking about. Is I will, if somebody mentions the law, I will say the law. 
which again, it's a very weird line that why would anybody it's very it's I re, do you guys remember that part? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 Greg, did you see the new movie? I did. What did and, you think? Uh, I I I watched and I was just like, yeah, I think I think I'm still just a Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Now I've not seen Big Top in a very long time, so I oh, have no memory. <laughs> but I, we have I discussed felt, that movie before. It's just weird. Yes, it's a weird. I, I movie. like weird. I I do like weird, but I think the the new movie Pee Wee's Big uh, Holiday, right? That's what it's called. Yes. Yeah. I something something was off about it. There are certain scenes that are good. I, at the risk of sounding like uh, like somebody looking for a problem, I, I was watching this movie and it, it there were forty five minutes of the movie before a person of color showed up anywhere. It just distracted me, <laughs> like how white the movie was. Like I know they're in like a nineteen fifties town, but come on, there were black people in the fifties. Weird. The uh... so just. To go back to, I was to say to go back to Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The thing that uh, the the thing that made me interested in seeing that was because I had seen uh, some of the animated shorts of Tim Burton, and ah. and then I was like, oh, and this was you know I was pretty young, so the fact that I knew who a director was for a movie, yeah, was extremely rare. But for this movie, I had heard, oh, it's directed by Tim Burton. I was like, oh, I just watched some anime, some creepy, weird animated shorts by Tim Burton. I might be interested in seeing this <laughs> because much, wow. much like you were saying, Greg, I'm not the biggest, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse fan or anything like that. Um, I know that's sacrilege for some people, but yeah, it just never it was a, it was never a big appealing factor for me. But Tim Burton was an appealing factor for me, so I was like, okay, let me see this movie. So. That's pretty amazing that you knew who Tim Burton was. I mean, I don't think I knew that Tim Burton directed that movie until many years later. Gotcha. I was like, really? Huh. <laughs> um, that's honestly, at, at that age, that was. I, I think it was just because I was paying attention to those animated shorts, like you did the young Vincent Price and stuff like that, that right. I was like, okay, I want to see more of these. How do I know to find more of these? And it was like... but had. But had Amazing Stories and Family Dog even happened at that point? No. I, I'm not sure about Family Dog. I know Amazing Stories was later. Um, but Frank yeah, and then, Weenie, that had done, hadn't it? Yeah. Frank and Weenie might have done. And again, he probably worked on some sort of Disney movie that I liked. But Yeah. yeah. The soundtrack in, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure is really good, too. That yeah. Danny Elfman. Just yes. Says. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so my number four uh, is probably the, the dream of most Teenage Boys, which uh, which was weird science, uh, the ability to create your own hot woman. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't see this movie until I was in my teens, so uh, but uh, so I didn't see it the year it came out. I certainly didn't see it in the theaters, but uh, when it came on HBO, I watched this movie a lot um, for various reasons, and <laughs> um, but. Loved uh, Anthony Michael Hall in it. I thought he was hilarious. Uh, the The whole scene where he gets drunk and he turns to Lisa, who they created, and he's like, he doesn't even have his license, Lisa. And then they get in the car and they they run out of control. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and just they run over stuff. And then you got his brother, Chet, 
it's turned into this weird monstrosity job of the hut looking thing. Uh, yeah. The, the fact that you can make a woman and she could make things happen for you, like an I dream of genie was just awesome. And then obviously, you know, you know, she was hot. So that helps too. So, um, but it was just, it was just a fun movie. Uh, again, just like, I hate to say it again, but it's just, it, you know, the dream of any teenage boy was, you know, oh, you can make something like that. <laughs> um, sure. So a young, a young Robert Downey Jr. is in that movie. Yes. Yes. Um, and very, a very weird character that he played, too. So he's like a he's like a bully. Yeah. Like a pre- bully, yeah. He's a bully, but he's like the goth before there was the whole goth <laughs> movement. Yeah, he's like a new he's kind of like a new wave bully. Yeah. Yeah, it's very. It's a very '80s movie for sure. That oh, definitely. definitely. Kept, I I I appreciate how that movie takes it. Again, speaking of weird, <laughs> a very weird turn by the end. That party and the gang that shows yes. up. At that, <laughs> it just gets real strange, real fast. Yeah, and it's all because she wants them to uh, to man up, basically, and they yeah. they're hiding in the shower and everything, and. And all of a sudden, these yeah, these bike, this biker, this weird biker gang, with the one guy who's uh, got like a metal plate on his head, and then there's the one guy that always played the weird role in the '80s, he had the bug eyes and the bald head. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, and then all of a sudden he like catches the gun. Um, Anthony Michael Hall catches the gun and he puts a pistol in the guy's face and tells him to leave. And he's like, it's a squirt gun. And then also it shoots. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> They've got the grandparents like stuck in a closet. Yes. <laughs> Freezes them. Yep. Some weird. So it's, it's no wonder we're all a little touched. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, John, you're number four. So my number four is a little more serious in tone than, than most of my list. Uh, but it, it it's a, tremendous western that i think holds up even now uh i think the the bruce broughton soundtrack is kind of what sealed it for me but it's uh, silverado nice and, man you're uh, so much smarter than us i feel like a big dummy <laughs> why you're like naming them yeah you're naming well, things smart he style. also wrote a tuba concerto that i played in graduate school so you know there you I, go. see so yeah but uh and but no i the the, the cast of this movie, you know, for that time, you know, Kevin Klein and, and uh, Costner and Danny Glover, you know, uh, just uh, Scott Glenn. It's just a tremendous cast. It, you know, it is it's it's a Western. So it's unpleasant. And there's drinking and uh, womanizing and, and bad stuff going on. But uh, it, I, I, just, I adore this film. And it's one of those. There's a handful of films that if they're on, if I be flipping on the flipping through the channels and it's on, I will stop and I'll watch it. Uh, so there's probably four or five of those movies that are that for me, and this is one of those. So nice. It's my number four. Very cool. All right, Greg, your number three. My number three is the first movie I ever saw in a theater without an adult. So like not even summer camp. I just went with my friend Walter. Saw <laughs> this movie. Uh, I've I have heard. That uh, it doesn't quite hold up if you put it under the light of actual scrutiny, but for the the memories of this movie and the the perfectness of the fact that this was the first movie to see without an adult, it is The Goonies. Nice, nice. And uh, 
yeah, I think the circumstances of seeing that movie really sort of helped make it awesome. And it's a very entertaining movie. Yeah. Even though I've watched the eight-minute thing on YouTube of things that are wrong with the Goonies, and it's hilarious because <laughs> the real hiccups in that thing. But it's great. It's great. And when you're nine or ten years old and you see that movie, it's it's the greatest thing in the world because they're they're doing they're doing it up. They're yeah. on their own. They're having a, a real adventure. Absolutely, absolutely. I will. I will argue that I, I personally think it still does hold up, but you know, I'm also biased towards it. So, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Uh, fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's it speaks to that. It's it's like the first exposure as a little kid to the like, you know, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Live in the moment. Yeah. Kind of you know that becomes the theme of yeah. 50% of movies. It's our time down here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number three is, uh, is my favorite movie of this franchise. Uh, and I have so many reasons why, uh, but it's, it's Rocky four. Um, yes. it is, it is my favorite of all the Rocky movies. I personally feel like the Rocky movies got better up until Rocky four and then Rocky five fell off the wagon. But, <laughs> but Rocky four is fantastic. Um, not only is it my favorite Rocky movie, but it is a quintessential eighties movie because not only do you get one eighties montage in it, you get two, you get, yeah. you get the training, <laughs> you get the training montage, which is in every Rocky movie. Um, but you also get the, uh, no easy way out montage where he comes home after uh, Apollo has died and uh, he's announced that he's going to fight Ivan Drago and Adrian's yelling at him and he gets in his car and he races away and he's looking in the rearview mirror and you get the song No Easy Way Out. And the reason I know the song is because I also think it's the best Rocky soundtrack because you pretty much get every awesome Rocky song in this one soundtrack. Uh, I had the cassette. I had the album. I had the big LP, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, sure. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, Ivan Drago, I will often use the line, I must break you. <laughs> um you know if, i i often use the line if i can change and you can change we all can change <laughs> there you go <laughs> i and i actually find that to be a very emotional speech at it's least great yeah of course it's, it's fantastic when he um, first got there he's, he's seen a lot of changing yeah yeah, amazing. <laughs> and then you know the the whole uh, you know if he dies he dies. So you know, it's, uh, it, and then you know, and the best part about the whole movie for me, of course, when especially when you're a kid, is you're like you find out that Ivan Drago's been cheating, 
and he's getting injected with steroids and everything else, and still Rocky wins. <laughs> so, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen it: Rocky wins in the end. <laughs> but he, it's like it's it's clearly it's definitely the most uh, absurd Rocky fight of them all. Oh yeah, he is getting pounded. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like He's like a little guy piece of punch. iron. <laughs> yeah, you could see you could see the way this guy punches because they show you. He's like punching machines and they're measuring the the oh, power yeah. of the punches. And then Rocky's just taken shot to the face because yeah, he's been out there chopping wood. He's chopping wood and running up mountains and <laughs> running up mountains, outrunning cars on ice. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. I should re- I should phrase. He's chopping wood with one one shot. Like yeah. he's not. He doesn't need multiple swings. No. That's how good he is at chopping wood. And he's lifting his friends up in the, the carriage, you know. Uh, in the <laughs> it's, 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 it's a great man versus machine story. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's a, it's a great one. It was one of my honorable mentions as well. Very nice. It was hotly contested for the 4-5 position. <laughs> nice. Um, John, you're number three. So my number three, uh, people think I'm in cahoots with Greg. My number three was uh, also Goonies. Yeah, uh, I uh, my, you know, as we sit here and talk about it, 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 Greg, it does hold up really well. I think uh, it's it's always been fun, and like you said, it's one of those. I a little couple years on you, but it is one of those things where uh, you know these kids go on this amazing adventure, and there's romance and you know young love and that kind of thing. But what slays me to this day is when. Uh, uh, what's his name chunk chunk. the truffle shuffle well no when 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 they're when the when the mobsters have chunk and they're the interrogation interrogation and he tells the story about throwing up in the movie theater (laughs) so when when i was in college we would do that we would hang out in our dorm on friday nights because none of us we were a bunch of musicians you know musicians and didn't have significant others and so um you know read comic books and and stick our head out the window with a cup of water and go, and then act like we were throwing up. And, uh, my, my, one of my fraternity brothers and very good friend lived right below me and he would do it. And then I would do it. Well, then it got to the point where I would wait for him to do it. And I would pour water on his head. Uh, and which culminated in one point to where he went, uh, and I leaned out and he had put an umbrella over his head in the middle. You nice. Know, where the, okay, so I just poured the water right on the umbrella and, <laughs> But people would, you know, wonder what the hell was going on. So, well, and I love that scene too because he he's they're just like, we want you to tell us everything, everything, yeah, everything. Okay, <laughs> one time. <laughs> hey kid, I want you to spill your guts. Tell us everything. 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 Okay, I'll talk. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my uncle Max's toupee and I glued it on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie down the stairs and I blamed it on the time. My mom sent me to a, to a summer camp for fat kids. And it was during lunch, I got nuts and I pigged out and they kicked me out. But the worst thing I ever done. I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, this is it, I made a noise like this. And then I dumped it over the side, 
hug all the people in the audience. Then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. I'm beginning to like this kid much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I believe he went on to become like a very high-powered entertainment lawyer. I, th- I believe okay. uh, he's a lawyer, or an agent, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it's it really is. It's it's it, it's great. It holds up. I'm very thankful they never did a uh, a number two. You know, I think they talked about you know yeah. doing it in the last four or five, maybe ten years. Yeah, they no, talked about bringing a lot of them back and it, then having their kids go on adventure. So yeah, it, it's it's great where it is. Just yeah, let it let us enjoy for let us enjoy what we got. Yeah. So sometimes you gotta just uh, let the thing be. Yeah. Because it's good that way. Yep. All right, uh, Greg, you're number two. My number two is a movie that uh, I think speaks to nearly everybody on some level, and it's a movie that when my younger cousins were old enough, probably about nine or ten. Like you have to. There were a few movies I made him watch. One of them was Die Hard. Uh, and and this great, movie, great Christmas movie. Yeah, it's the best Christmas movie. Uh, but I, I made them watch Die Hard. I made them watch Stand by Me. And I made them watch The Breakfast Club. Nice, nice. That was because on my that, honor, that was on my honorable mention list. So. Mine too. Yeah. Honorable. Come on, guys. That well, is like, what do you have? Saint Elmo's Fire. No. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you real quickly why it's only on my honorable mention list, and you're gonna want to chastise me for this. But I had not seen The Breakfast Club until maybe about five years ago. Uh, I will not chastise you because I have never seen Sixteen Candles all the way through. Okay. <laughs> my wife turned to me and said, "You've never seen The Breakfast Club," and we went out and bought it and watched it. She goes, "As much as you love the '80s, how could you have not seen this movie? This movie is the '80s." <laughs> It's 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 a great movie. It's a great. I guess in TV they'd call it a, a. What do they call the episodes where they never leave the room? Oh yeah, um, God, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. It's like I know what you're referring take, to. Yeah. It, it pretty much takes place in one room. Yep. It is. It's all talking. It's all exposition and dialogue, and it's. It really is. An excellent character piece, I guess. Yeah. And then. Uh, and it's it's certainly quotable, sure. Oh, the yeah. TV version is is great because the <laughs> Bender scene yelling at the principal is completely makes no sense. Uh, but the movie is great. The character is great. If if I've one quibble, it's the, the makeover of Ali Sheedy is terrible. <laughs> like what they did to her was terrible. That offends me. That's like that's like a smaller version of what makes the movie Grease offensive. <laughs> The idea that you have to change to become appealing to other people, uh, but the movie in itself is great. Uh, I have I have made the sandwich that Ali Sheedy eats. It's nice. not good. <laughs> <laughs> Pixie sticks and bread that had bologna on it and Captain Crunch. It's not a sandwich anybody needs to eat. <laughs> I can let you know that. And uh, and if you mess with the bull, you get the horns. If if you can't. Acknowledge the greatness of that and the way that is that act that is acted. Yeah. Was it Gleason, right? That's something Gleason. Yeah. Guy's name. Yeah, I'll look it up. It's really good, and then they're sliding around on the, like when they're running to escape. It's it's a great movie, and if you uh, if you've never seen it, I recommend it. There's some heart in it. 
And here's what's interesting. The reason I've never seen 16 Candles and the reason I didn't see Pretty in Pink until I was in my 20s is I'm pretty sure I found Molly Ringwald's character in that movie so unlikable, so unpleasant, that I just assumed that she was like that. I just was <laughs> wow. not interested in movies with Molly Ringwald. I was a kid. I was dumb. <laughs> Despite the fact that I was – look, I might have been in the gifted program, but some things went over my head. Uh, uh, and I, I think that's the actor's the name was uh, Paul Gleason. Paul Gleason, that's it. Yeah. And that's the only reason I can understand why I didn't see those other movies that everybody else our age has seen was yeah. because I clearly was like, no, I don't like her. She was kind of stuck up, and I don't care that she could put lipstick on with her cleavage. It's not that <laughs> impressive, really. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is impressive, but when I'm, you know, when you're nine, it's like, yeah, whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So, The Breakfast Club. Very nice. Uh, and it's got a song. Everybody loves that song. Oh, yeah. Even, maybe the most overplayed 80s song, second now to Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. It's really gotten a lot of play in the past few years, but. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, fantastic. Um, so, my number two was a movie you guys have both already mentioned, which is The Goonies. Um, oh, that's why I didn't talk too much about it when, when you guys were talking about it. Uh, I love the Goonies. This again, I you know a lot of these movies. The reason why they stick with me is because they were things that you know, in some cases, they were things that I could identify with. You mentioned Stand by Me uh, earlier. Like the idea of kids going on an adventure was very much me at that age. Uh, I would go hiking in the woods with my friends, and we would be gone all day. Um, so the idea of you could find a treasure map inside some, you know, painting or whatever, and then go on an adventure and find it. And you had, and that there might be real danger out there was very appealing to me. <laughs> sure. Um, I was very like, I always talk with, with Robert, him and I are very much the same when we always identify with the leader characters. Um, I was very, I very much identified with Mikey. But I also identified – I was a little inventive as a kid and creative as a kid. So I also identified a little bit with Data. And he was, of course, a hilarious character with his pinches of power and his booby traps. And, uh, you know, it was uh, slick shoes. Yeah. <laughs> All of that was great. Um, you know, yeah, the, the whole speech, you know, we talked about earlier, the speech of Rocky. Well, there was the whole speech of Mikey. Yeah. Saying it was, you know, it's their time up there. Down here, it's our time. Uh, and he had to repeat it again, saying it's our time down here. <laughs> um, Chunk was hilarious. Uh, Sloth, it was, I, it was, you know, first time seeing that movie, you're like, what is is that? What's going on? Yeah. Um, but then the fact that he's wearing a Superman shirt at the end. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just fantastic. And uh, to see this the ship sail away. Like that there was this whole, um, much like you were just saying with not remembering what the word is for a movie where everything takes place in the same room. I can't remember the name of the word for when you have uh, a chain reaction that causes something to happen. Um, a Rube Goldberg device. That's what it is, yes. Uh, to, to have all that happen to that then causes the ship to break away the, the, uh, from its encasing and go sailing off into the sunset. And they have these jewels uh, left over from the marble bag. Um, I love the Goonies. Uh, it was what I always wanted to have happen to me as a kid was to go on a grand adventure like that. So, 
And well, we get a pirate time... named One Eye Willie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first time you guys ever heard the word boondocks? Because that was a big thing, yeah. right? They kept talking about that they'd have to move to the boondocks. Yes, yes. Yeah. Did you know what the boondocks were when you no saw clue. that? No I clue. I did. <laughs> yep. You did? I did, yeah. I grew up out in the country, and that was not – yeah, it was a term I knew. Gotcha. I know. I, I, it's like – every now and again, I'm like, oh, yeah, they were going to move to the boondocks. <laughs> <laughs> Such a very it's it's a great word. I mean, it's yeah. got a lot of character to it. But at the time, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but, uh, but it was a big threat. It was really it's going to be a problem. <laughs> so, John, you're number two. Uh, so my number two has been mentioned, and it has a huge Rube Goldbergian opening, and that's uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Nice. Uh, oh, love it. I I I, it, I I watch it quite a bit. You know, probably once. Couple, well, I get. I say quite a bit. Probably once every couple three months. Um, wow. I, I I just I adore it. I think, like you said earlier, the music is great. I love the fact he eats Mr. T cereal. It takes like three bites with that obscene, obscenely large, you know, spoon, and then like just kind of puts it all away, wipes his mouth off, and runs away. Um, the bike is hilarious. The fact that Twisted Sister shows up and is singing "Burn in Hell" is awesome. Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's. It's a great. It's just great. It, and again, I think it. It's. I, I loved Big Adventure, Big Top. Uh, Greg, go watch it. But it is. It's just. It's weird. I think they were just. I think we've we've mentioned we've mentioned this movie before on the show. Uh, we believe they took every drug known to man and just kind of threw everything on the walls and whatever you know. It all stuck. And it's so it certainly makes, possible. It, it just. It's such a weird. Like beyond. I watched it probably a year ago. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I can't do this. I liked the new one. I thought it was funny. Uh, Daniel, my younger boy, loved it. He thought it was really funny. Um, you know, I, I I didn't really think about your comment about it I, in terms of who who doesn't show up when. Uh, I think I was yeah, probably, I, I, I was I probably thinking about Alia Shockwatt and those uh you know those kind of those uh, '60s you know bad chicks yeah. with their. <laughs> but, sure. but anyway, it's uh, it, it's it, yeah. What can you say? Big Big Adventures is great and still holding again holds up and hear you know, hear people talk about it. So no, it is it is great. And as you were talking about, I I remembered the the ending with the drive-in and just that weird that that moment where he picks up the intercom and it's clearly dubbed and it's just, it's <laughs> so odd. And, <laughs> And they're all there at the drive-in. Everybody's got a, a great thing to say, and yeah, I think yeah. There's something about like the characterization in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, the way he, like the way he talked to Dottie, like the whole "I'm a loner, yeah. Dottie," all that yeah. stuff. Versus in Big Holiday, the way he talks to the librarian girl, right? It, just like the distinction of those two things, I think are to me are are a nice separation. Where like in Big Adventure, he's like an adult. Who's doing things childishly, mm-hmm. whereas in all the other stuff he's like a child amongst adults, and I think I like the other. I like the big adventure version. Well, wait, all I will knows... say, Go ahead. I'll just say in the I'll just say in the new movie, any of those dream sequences with Joe Manganiello are just a scream. Just <laughs> yeah, I, those were those were good. <laughs> <just> hilarious. <laughs> so it it was <laughs> worth my it was worth the watch. I will say that. I don't need to see it again anytime soon, but it was worth watching once. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it came with Netflix, basically. So <laughs> it's not my favorite thing I've seen on Netflix, but you know, that's but, fine. But it's there. <laughs> it's there. I'm paying so, my ten bucks. Might as well watch it. 
So I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna say anything, but I'm just very my mind's already thinking. I'm very curious if we might all have the same number one, but I'm not gonna say it. Uh, so Greg, I'm gonna say it. No, we don't. Okay, okay. <laughs> right now, John, because John probably already knows what my number one is. I, well, he I, knows I what, know what Greg's mine number is. Too. In, in fact, I think John would be shocked if it wasn't my number one. But Greg, you go ahead and say what your number one well, is. Should we say them at the same time then? Well, in you. John, would it be the same one? <laughs> I think you guys have the same one. I will I will not, and it will not surprise anybody that knows me. Let so. me ask you this, Ryan. Should we say it as though one of us was like revving an engine and the other one of us was trying to plug something in? And we had to do it kind of at the exact same time. Otherwise, it would be a problem. <laughs> We we could try that. Uh, I think you could just say it, and I can just confer if mine is the same number one. So my number one movie for 1985 is also my number one movie in my life. It is the best. It is my favorite movie of all time. It is nearly perfect. It is Back to the Future. That is my number one as well. Not my number one like, in yeah. my life, but but my number one from this year. <laughs> When somebody says, what's your favorite movie? I say Back to the Future. It is a movie that I can watch anytime. And despite knowing everything that happens, that ending is still full of of excitement and tension. And like, oh my God, the car won't start. Everything about it is great. Yeah. That movie is awesome. It's funny. It's got adventure. It's got two love stories, minimum. Yep. It's got jokes that you get as a grown-up. There's stuff that you like as a kid. There's it's it's uh it is excellent. And all the little Easter eggs I didn't know until I was an adult, like all the little changes that happened because time he changed time, like the twin pines became the lonely pine and things like. You didn't that. you really see? I've seen people. I've seen like when when Back to the Future Two was all the rage last year, mm-hmm. and like the ten things you don't know about Back. I thought the lone pines thing was. I I remember noticing that. Because it was right there. It was the sign in the mall, like, had changed. Yeah, I think as a kid, I just didn't, because I did go see this in the theater. As a kid, it was, I was mesmerized by the spectacle of it all. Like, oh, the action and the adventure and sure. all that. So I didn't pay attention to the little detail stuff. It wasn't until I became, until I was older as an adult and would start paying attention to things like that in movies that I was like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And and so that's when stuff like that would, became interesting to me. So. Now, in my in my defense, I saw this movie, if not five times, four times in the theater. Nice. Wow. At the time. And uh, one of my honorable mentions, not because I, I want to honor it, but is the movie I saw instead of seeing it, but would have been the fifth or sixth time. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I... I uh, Back to the Future is so yeah. good. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, I love it too. I mean, I am a huge fan. John knows I'm a huge fan. Um, I mean, I showed... Uh, I, I had realized I had not shown my wife the uh, the signed comic that you sent uh, for me, John. Uh, sure. And uh, she, she's like, oh, my God, how'd you get that? And I told her how. And, and she's like, that is so cool. And then I showed her the, you know, the uh, the program that was made to look like the, the, um, the sports almanac and everything. It was just. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Greg. I think it's a, a perfect movie. Uh, if if nothing had come after it, it still would have been a perfect movie. Because uh, I just would have wondered, ooh, what's the future going to hold? Um, I love the whole trilogy. I think it's a great trilogy. In fact, if, if I think we've talked about this in the show. 
in the past is that if you had to pick uh, your favorite trilogy that is still a trilogy because Star Wars is no longer a true trilogy, Indiana Jones is no longer a true trilogy, um, there's, a, there's a lot of other ones that are not trilogies anymore. If I had to pick my favorite trilogy that is still just a trilogy, uh, it would be Back to the Future. So well, how many how many true trilogies are there then? There's not really many. <laughs> Godfather, yeah. right? Godfather, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the Future beats the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like even like there for a while, Lord of the Rings, which is one of my favorites. But now I kind of consider the Hobbit part of the whole Middle Earth story. So it's not to me, it's not a trilogy anymore. Um, so Aliens was the same way. Aliens until Resurrection came out, which even though I don't like Resurrection, <laughs> it's out there. Just like I don't like the Crystal Skull, it's still out there as the fourth Indiana Jones movie. So what we need is a third Young Guns movie, and then we're there. Then you we're go. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a fan of the first two Young Guns movies. So <laughs> I so am I. Actually, what what could put the Back to the Future trilogy into some debate is if they ever do make a third bill and ted movie but uh, until that happens oh, good point uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah I, I agree with you i love the car i love doc brown uh i uh it's you know einstein's fantastic the flux capacitor how the movie just opens with you know him testing out the the amp <laughs> yeah yeah all those ticking clocks yeah and there's so much information packed in that first minute oh, yeah. and a half the newscast, you get Einstein, the dog, the, all the gadgets, like everything about it's there. And then, yep. you know, yes, you can sit there and question why is this kid friends with a, a lunatic? Why is there like radiation? But it's 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 so good. Well, and the thing that I like that they've done now with the comic series is Bob Gale's gone back and showed how they first met and how they became friends and all that. Like how did, how did these two people's paths cross? And the fact that Bob Gale's writing it, who was the writer of the movie, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's gospel that this is, this is Canon. These comics are Canon to say how these two characters met each other. So, and here's what's interesting. As much as I love that movie, Mm -hmm. I, I, I did not, I'm not interested in the comic. I feel like I've reached a point where, Going back to what you're saying about remaking the Goonies or what have you, yeah. I like the thing, and I like the thing for what it is, yeah. and I'm good. Yeah. I don't need. A, I, I need. I need. I, I think part of it is I read one of the Bill and Ted comics, the one that had the first one to come back out of Boom, and I'm like it's not the same. I, gotcha. I just need. I just need my Bill and Ted to be Bill and Ted. Gotcha. I need. I need it to be excellent and or bogus <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> Second rate. Nice. Well, John, uh, since... Can I try and guess? Can I try... Do you do sure. that? Do you guess yeah, sure. Go ahead. Are? Go ahead. All right. I'm... Because it was one of my honorable mentions, and I feel like what I know of John, I feel like it's it's Fletch. It's not. Oh, that was wow. That's a very mentioned. good guess. That is a very good guess, though. Good, yeah. So, John, right, then, what would it be, then? Okay. So... I, Cocoon. I have to say, I, I do, I do like Back to the Future. It's fine. I, I, it never hit me, and we've talked about this before. There are certain films that that come up on the, on the show that just didn't resonate with me the same way that it does with other people, and that's cool. That's the great thing about you know doing shows and talking about things. Uh, big fan of Leah Thompson, obviously, and so anything with her is is great. But sure. um, this movie holds a very very special place in my heart because it was the first radar movie that I ever owned on VHS. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I watched this religiously throughout high school. I think I know what it is. I, I actually. believe it's been mentioned on the show before. Can I guess? It is, it, no, it is the greatest. <laughs> it is the greatest film. It's the greatest film this actor has ever given us. It's a movie about a man and his daughter and an Australian bad guy that kidnaps her. I'm talking about Commando. I I don't wow. know how I didn't realize that because when I it's on my honorable mention list and the second I saw it I was like that is John's number one movie. I already knew it and I don't know why it, it my I, favorite <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger movie of all time. Yeah. Over Terminator? <laughs> yes. I love Terminator, but I love Commando because again, it just it, it it hit me at that time. I was what twelve or thirteen when I when I started watching it, and I just remember him when they when he and Radon Chong bust into that sporting goods store, and he just he figures out how to open that back door, and all those weapons are there, and then he gets to the he gets to the place to save his daughter, and he puts in the knives and the guns and he, oh god love it i just love it there's great one-liners in it you know when he tells sully i'm did i told you i kill you last yes i lied and he drops him and then she's like where's sully he goes i let him go i mean come on <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> this movie is so flipping epic Alyssa milano such a cute kid in it you know she's like 12 or 13 in it and i was old i was that same age i can say that it's not weird right. she was cute and oh i just yeah this it's it's in my top probably top five movies of all time. So yeah, it's Commando and wow. I kill anybody. Wow, and I don't. I really and don't. Yeah. And one of the writers was Jeff Loeb, so it's got a comic nice. tie to it. Yeah, too. nice. Yeah. I honestly don't know why I blanked and didn't even think of that tonight because earlier today when I was finally putting my final list together and that was on my honorable mention, I was like, I know this is gonna be John's number one. I just know it's gonna be his number one. And for some reason tonight, as we were talking, I completely blanked on what your number one was probably going to be. So, Commando, I would have never <laughs> in a million years. Oh, he's mentioned it on like, I saw that. Or so, yeah. <laughs> it's like I was, I was going through this, and I'm like, oh yeah, Commando, and I knew Jeff Loeb was involved, and I know there's a lot of guns and killing, and then that was it. I just, I think I saw it once. Oh. It's a- you're doing yourself a disservice if if you like if you like those '80s Schwarzenegger movies. And, yeah, I think I have a, I think I have a limiter yeah, on my, yeah, on my 80, Schwarzenegger. Because yeah. I already tell you, '86. There's another Schwarzenegger movie on that list. I can tell you right now because it's it's probably it's up there in my top two or three of his movies too. But yeah, yeah, th- this it just hits all the right notes for me. And there's great one-liners, and you know the, some of the violence is just so silly when he fights all that when he's out of guns and he busts out of the out of the greenhouse and he he's like an axe and a, he throws a saw blade and scalps a guy and um you know puts a puts an axe right through a guy's crotch and oh, <laughs> cuts one dude's off arm off with a machete i mean come on <laughs> you know he was a killing yeah, one one guy's axe to the crotch is another guy's wolfman on top of a van right. this is america <laughs> i get it it's cool. Uh, uh, so now we're into the honorable mention territory, and I, I know, John, you usually don't have a very long list, so I don't know if you want to go ahead and mention yours first. Sure. So mine, I, I try to keep mine brief. Uh, Breakfast Club was on there for sure. Uh, Fletch, uh, to your credit, Greg, it was a good guess. The The one kind of helped some of us grow up just because there's one great shot at the end when we get the reveals, just one of the guys. Yeah. You were. And then um, the other one, <laughs> I think it holds up. 
it's a weird little action movie. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. I love it. Wow. I love that movie. And I, I get that. I get Joel Gray's. It's an incredibly racist character that he plays. I don't care. <laughs> I think it's. I think it holds up. And I'm sorry they didn't make any more because, you know, it's a it's one of those, you know, monthly kind of series, like almost like a Harlequin romance. There was Mac. Yeah. Paul, there was Remo Williams. There were the Adventures, I think, was another one. But it's one of those, you know, you could pick them up at the grocery store, uh, dime, you know, dime novel kind of thing. So, yeah, and, my stepfather read all those. Yeah. So anyway, that was that was my list of honorable mentions. Nice. Uh, Greg, why don't you go ahead and give uh, honorable Sure. I mentioned I mentioned several of them. So. Because they could have been four or five, Last Dragon, Fletch, and Rocky Four were on nice. my list. Uh, I said Better Off Dead because uh, the only reason it wasn't higher is because I saw, I saw it as an adult. So I, I excluded it on that. Uh, just One of the Guys is on my honorable mentions. The movie that I saw instead of Back to the Future for what would have been the fifth or sixth time was The Black Cauldron, which is not good. Oh. That is on my honorable mention. What do you mean it's not good? It's not good. <laughs> I like it. I love Come on, it. Man. I've tried to watch it. I'm just and I love Disney stuff, but that movie is. I think I like it because it's it's not your typical Disney. It's like super dark and super fantasy. Yeah, film. but just yeah, but I guess you know what? That's fair. Yeah. You like the Lord? <laughs> I do not. We're we're, we're we'll my still runs, get along. My runcels are crunches. And then my my <laughs> other two. I have two more. Uh, one is National Lampoon's European Vacation. Yeah. If if only for the clothes changing montage alone, <laughs> the song that plays while they're trying on different outfits and the outfits are hilarious, and uh, yeah, so that, and then because it has a great song in it and it has a great message, fair is fair. Legend of Billie Jean. Nice. Oh wow. Yeah. It's a pretty great movie. Yeah. It, and and uh, there's again. Great, but it's one of these things. I don't know if they make movies. I think Pineapple Express is the last movie I can think of where it was this. They make these weird combinations of there's funny stuff and there's actiony stuff and there's it's like this genre. You can't. What is the Legend of Billie Jean? Wasn't that the like, one where she killed somebody or yeah. or she well robbed somebody? I I, just, her, I saw her brother once. So years the basic ago. setup. Yeah, the setup is Helen Slater is uh, pretty Helen Slater and she's hanging out with her friends uh, and her brother. Her brother is Christian Slater in the movie, mm-hmm. but they are not actually related in real life, despite the last names. Right. Uh, and these tough guys, like these these town thugs, come by and they wreck uh, Christian Slater's scooter, and they try and get the money to repair the scooter from these kids' parents or the dad, who's a complete creep, and he tries to he basically tries to rape Billie Jean. And she's like, we want our money, fair is fair, and they won't pay up. So it becomes sort of a it, – it, she takes on this crusade. Oh, the Christian Slater accidentally shoots somebody. Like he grabs a gun, and then one of these thugs comes at him, and he shoots him, and then they go on the run. It's Helen Slater, Christian Slater, and um, the voice of Lisa Simpson. What is her name? Yardley Smith, right? Yeah. yeah. Like they're on the run, and I think there's a fourth kid with them. And they're now wanted – and all they want is to get the money for this scooter. Fair is fair. And then it turns into this huge Joan of Arc thing. It gets ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and, and there's a great Pat Benatar song, uh, We Will Be Invincible. Yes, yeah. Uh, that's sort of like the theme for the whole thing. Like she, she ends up shaving her head in like this cropped 
top, you know, crop cut, and they make this. It's they burn a giant version of her in effigy. It's crazy. But uh, <laughs> I need to go back and watch it because I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, it's been a yeah, long for the, time for the, I've seen it. Watch. For the lesson of fair is fair, and the Pat Benatar song, it is an honorable mention. Nice. It is not in the top five because it is not nearly as good as the other five movies I mentioned. Nice. Yeah. Well, t- uh, as typical, I have a long list of top fives. Uh, a couple of them are I did. Uh, I did do a couple categories because uh, it just seemed to fit for what I was doing. One category is uh, stuff that's related to the show. So we do 80s property stuff. And I do have uh, a younger sister, so that's why I saw these movies. Um, The Care Bears (laughs) movie. Have have to mention that. And Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer. Uh, Like I said, I had a younger sister. She loved Rainbow Bright, and she loved the Care Bears. I saw these movies. They're enjoyable movies for what they are. So... Um, my other category is is just titled firsts. So these are movies where they were my first exposure to something uh, or another. So the first one was the first werewolf movie I saw, which was not Teen Wolf. Uh, it was actually a movie called Silver Bullet. Uh, uh, All right. Which is a, a very interesting, creepy type werewolf movie. Um, uh, my first... I believe this is my first vampire movie, which is kind of a sad statement, <laughs> was uh, Once Bitten, um, which is talking about wacky and bizarre and, and everything. Probably not what anyone's first vampire movie should be. But <laughs> That's a Jim Carrey one, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, where he, he gets bitten in the thigh. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, my first Mad Max movie was Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, so we we talked earlier about Master Blaster and and uh, yeah. we don't need another hero and all that fun stuff. Uh, for the for the course of that summer, I, I could uh, my brother and I would listen to the Casey Kasem Top Forty. Yes, because that was a thing. And uh, week to week, we'd see who's. Whose song would win? Mine was Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News from the motion picture Back to the Future. Yes. For all kinds of great reasons. Right. And his was We Don't Need a New Hero from. Uh, and they, they would go back and forth week after week. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, they were de- dead heat between those two. I will say too, going back to the Back to Future talk, was that um, I—that's another movie where I had the the LP soundtrack, so I, I had the record of it. So uh, it's a, I also had it on cassette. I was a cassette guy. Yeah. What can I tell you? I, I will tell you, I got cassettes when it was. It, I, I don't know why I did this. It was very weird of me to do this, but I would get cassettes when it was just musical artists. But when it was uh, soundtracks to movies, I would always get the album. I don't. Huh. Know, I don't know why, but I did. So. I had things like the Iron Eagle, Eagle album, the the uh, Ghostbusters <laughs> album, 
yeah, so. Um, my very first James Bond movie came out this year, which was A View to a Kill. Um, and then the first Police Academy movie I ever saw was actually Police Academy 2, their first assignment. So I did not see the first Police Academy movie until after I saw number two, uh, which uh, number two had Bobcat Goldthwait in it, and it was hilarious. Uh, so... Uh, some of my other honorable mentions, uh, this is a movie that uh, I, I actually would like to vote for none of the above this year uh, because of this movie, which is Brewster's Millions. Uh, that was a brilliant Richard Pryor movie. Uh, he had to get rid of, <laughs> I think it was, what, he had to get rid of $10 million or something like that, or a million, maybe just a million dollars. I thought it was $10 million. $10 yeah. Million, yeah. Uh, and he could not own anything from it, so... Right. Uh, and he could only spend so much on on each thing, so it wasn't like he could find one way to get rid of it and get rid of it all that way. So, um, Rambo: First Blood Part Two, which when I was a kid seeing this, it was just called Rambo. <laughs> it wasn't called First Blood Part Two. Um, uh, Return to Oz, which is a very weird, creepy, bizarre movie, but I love it. Um, That's one of those movies I, I try to to find to rewatch because I, I know. People speak uh, fondly of it, and yeah. I just I haven't seen it since I saw it as a kid. Yeah, if you like a demented, twisted version of Wizard of Oz, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz world, that is one to see. Um, I did have the Black Cauldron on my honorable mention list because I did enjoy it. I did have National Lampoon's European Vacation, even though t- for me it's the worst one of all the National Lampoon Vacation movies. Uh, really? For me, it is. I even like Las Vegas better than than that one. So, wow, interesting. Uh, uh, if nothing else, with the Las Vegas one, the fact that he's taken into the uh, alternate uh, <laughs> Vegas gambling area with games like Guess My Number and Rock Paper Scissors, <laughs> things like that. Um, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure was on my honorable mention. Uh, great movie, Real Genius, was on my honorable mention with Val Kilmer. Uh, I think that's a fantastic movie. It almost made my top five. Um, Summer Rental with John Candy, fantastic. Uh, Teen Wolf and Commando were both on my honorable mentions. Spies Like Us with uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, to this day, I will. I have someone at work that I will s- go up to and be like, doctor, 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 doctor. Uh, I did that in college. I was at a Halloween party and <laughs> I was dressed as as a mad scientist with a lab coat, and then a bunch of people who just had scrubs nice. were dressed as doctors. And I walked up to them. I was like, "Doctor, doctor," and just nothing, nothing. See, and I will pick up on those type of little movie quotes like that. So uh, nothing out of these people. <laughs> um, Clue is on my honorable mention list. Uh, sure, fantastic movie. And then uh, Enemy Mine was another one that was on my honorable mention list with uh, you know. Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. Just fantastic movie. Um, so, uh, and one that I appreciate more now as an adult than I did as a kid because it wasn't as action packed as I was hoping it was going to be. <laughs> uh, but a great like drama, psychological, sci fi type movie. So, so those are all my honorable mentions. Um, I also wanted to mention just uh, an honorable mention that I didn't mention in 1984 and it was on my list and man I kicked myself because it was one of those movies that battled with Johnny Dangerously for the number five spot and I had a lot of listeners that were like wow I can't believe you didn't even mention this movie and I was like 
oh, actually, I was supposed to mention that movie, <laughs> which was The NeverEnding Story. I'm a huge fan of those, you know, world-building, uh, Jim Henson-style type movies. And that one battled for that fifth spot against Johnny Dangerously and Johnny Dangerously won out just simply because I watched it so many times as a kid. So, sure. Didn't Lamal do the theme song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so some other listeners, let me throw out their movies that they had emailed us about. So for 1984, our buddy Sam, he uh, had Terminator as his number one, Temple of Doom as his number two, Bachelor Party as his number three, Revenge of the Nerds as his number four, and Karate Kid as his number five. Uh, our good buddy Eric Grubb, uh, he had Ghostbusters as his number one. From This is from 1984. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop as his number two. Dune as his number three. This is Spinal Tap as his number four. And Terminator as number five. And when I saw Grubb's list, I understood now why he is friends with both you and me, John, because... He had two movies from my list and two movies from your list. So. <laughs> um, Scott Kruger had, uh, from 1984, Ghostbusters as his number one, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom as his number two, Gremlins as his number three, Karate Kid as his number four, and The Last Starfighter as his number five. Um, going into 1985, Eric Grubb sent us uh, The Breakfast Club as his number one, Clue as his number two, Back to the Future as his number three, Real Genius as his number four, Spies Like Us as his number five. And Scott Kruger sent us his 1985 list, which is uh, number one, Back to the Future. Number two, a movie called Lady Hawk, which I didn't even know of. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one or not. And Matthew Broderick in it, right? Oh, I don't I don't know. I had not even heard. What, uh, what was it again? I'm sorry. Uh, Lady Hawk. Oh, yeah. It's Matthew Broderick and Rutger Hauer and okay. Michelle Pfeiffer, isn't it? Because she turns into the... I've, I've never seen the wolf at night. Oh, or no, she turns into hawk. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. good movie. It, I, John, I think uh, you're thinking yeah. of a movie called Wolf. <laughs> no, uh, it's it, maybe it's not Michelle Pfeiffer, but it it's Rutger. I know it's Rutger Hauer and M- Matthew Broderick, and basically the woman turns into a hawk at night, and then she turns back into a person in the daytime. Oh, maybe okay. it's vice versa. I can't remember which. And there's this crazy like pope guy at the end who's got this. I think they're doing a wedding, and it goes awry, and so he picks up his, uh, I don't know, it's got it's a cross on like a big stick, right? But then he pulls out, he's got like a sword on the end, and he's going to stab somebody, and nice. It, it's, it it yeah. I may have to check that. Seen one it out. in a long time. I think you'd like it. It's, yeah. It was good. Yeah. Um, Goonies was his number three. Breakfast Club was his number four, and Enemy Mine was his number five. So, so that was some of our uh, some of our listeners. Uh, top five lists uh, from both 84 and 85. And if anyone's out there and wants to send in uh, by email their, their list uh, of from 1985, 1986, anything that we're going to be doing forward, going forward, uh, send them in and we'll, we'll read them on the air. Um, one last thing I wanted to make sure we did, John, uh, I was ready for it. Yes. Is the contest. So, uh, for those that maybe it's their first episode they're listening to, uh, we asked to please leave us an iTunes review. And if you have left one in the past, uh, or we're leaving one now to then once you left the review to email the show with what your review was, and you would be entered into a contest for some funny books from John himself. 
Uh, we did. This is why it's always important to enter contests. Some of our contests, we get several entries, and some of our contests, we don't get very many entries. This is one of the ones we did not get very many entries. So there was only a few names uh, that are going into my Green Lantern mug I have here, which was given to me a while back by our good buddy Rock. Uh, so you can kind of hear I'm, I do have actual sheets of paper in the mug that I'm circling around. I am not looking to see who I am drawing. Uh, let me grab, pull a name out. And the winner is actually someone who I just mentioned their top five list, which is Scott Kruger. Hey, way to go, Scott. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. So I will, uh, by the time he will have heard this episode, I will have already emailed him for his mailing address. And then John, I will pass that along to you so that you can mail out to him a a collection of funny books. uh, Excellent. From us. So. Um, there will be another contest coming up soon, uh, and this will include our international listeners. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, it'll probably be in the upcom- in probably the next few episodes. I have an idea for it uh, that uh, we'll get some some people following us uh, a little bit more. So um, with that, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about or bring up before we start giving our information about how people can find us and follow us and all that fun stuff? I I, I feel like I have uh, exhausted everybody's patience, so I... I, I <laughs> <laughs> we can... We can Okay. Move along at, at whatever pace you want. Sounds good. Well, Greg, you have not exhausted anyone's patience. You were absolutely a fantastic guest to have on. I'm glad John reached out to you to, to see if you could join us. It was an absolute blast having you on. Um, it, again, I'm going to be. I'll probably be going to bed tonight thinking about <laughs> what superpowers I would give to the, the various GI Joe characters. <laughs> Again, and, sometimes it was sometimes it was as simple as just you know what was the name for yeah. the, you know it, oh, yeah. It, yeah yeah and i actually would love for our listeners to email us their ideas of the superpowers that should go with various joe characters cuz i'd love to read those on the air i think that would be an absolute blast so um so greg how can they how can they find you out there how can they find your work uh all that fun stuff give them the the details of how they can follow you and follow your work sure uh my main website is hatterentertainment.com h-a-t-t-e-r entertainment.com that's hatter as in the mad hatter nice uh uh, the book picks one where's weekend is available you can link to it through there or just go to pixcomic.com p-i-x-c-o-m-i-c.com uh the podcast that i mentioned stuff said and cruising together are all reachable from hatter entertainment uh, those are cruising together and stuff said. They're also on iTunes. Uh, they're not on Stitcher, I don't think, because I don't entirely know how to get them on Stitcher. But I'm going to ask John about that offline. <laughs> and uh, what else do I have to say? Oh, I'm on Twitter at my name G R E G G, last name S C H I G I E L. If you uh, couldn't keep up with any of that, go to Hatter Entertainment. My name is all over that thing. <laughs> and uh, if you want to see the drawing I did of Tight Ship for John, it's somewhere on my Twitter feed. And it got retweeted by Rob Schraub, so that's a victory. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. John, how can they find you? Sure, you can find me on Facebook, John Thurmond. That's J-O-N. I've been told to make sure people are clear on that. 
Twitter, John underscore Thurmond, and uh, Virginia Comic Con at vacomiccon.com. Very nice. Well, you can find uh, Star Joe's. It's at starjoes.com, as easy as it can get. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. It's at Star Joe's Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. We have both a fan page, which you can just like. We also have a community group page, which you can request to be a member of. And the second I see your request, I will approve it. Uh, we have a. It's a growing community. People are posting stuff every day. It's absolutely fantastic. All the comments, all the feedback. People are posting reviews. I usually post comic reviews on there, um, and uh, and people are welcome to post their own comic reviews. We've started seeing a few people doing that, which is awesome. Uh, the fan site on uh, Facebook is really just for news updates, and I'll update when a new episode comes out and things like that. Um, and then uh, you can email the show. It's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can also call us and leave a voicemail. We did not receive any voicemails uh, recently, so there was nothing for us to play. But the voicemail phone number is 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Uh, you can find all of that information at the website of starjoes.com. Uh, find the episode. You can find the episodes on iTunes. Please leave us a review there. It helps the show get more and more exposure. Um, you can also find us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, it's a free app for your mobile devices. We're also on the Podbean app. Uh, P O D B E A N. That's the web, the hosting website. They have their own app where you can download Star Joe's and make it one of your favorites. Uh, and, uh, you can also find us on the GeekCast radio network, uh, for right now. We're one of their syndicated shows and, uh, you can find Star Joe's on there as well. I think that's pretty much every place you can find Star Joe's. We, pr we make ourselves pretty easy to find out there. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I guess with that, we'll go ahead and close the show by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.